Hi-ho, friends! The following is not intended for younger Muppets. The opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect the views of the podcaster's employers. Now, it's time to play the music. It's time to light the lights. Well, I don't know how important lights are. They're just recording a podcast. Anyway, here's two dudes, one double feature. Yay! Welcome! Welcome everyone to Two Dudes, One Double Feature, the show in which two dudes talk two films, and that is about it. I am Dude One, Richard. And I'm Duncan Idaho. Don't we all just want to be Duncan Idaho? I have his Funko Pop next to me (laughs) over there. (laughs) I I I have no... Jason Momoa anywhere in my room, actually. Surprisingly enough, if they if they make an Aquaman from the his main movie figure, like if McFarlane does that, then then I will actually have one. That I will buy that immediately. Fair enough. Fair enough. So nothing against Duncan Idaho. Just that's that's my preferred Jason Momoa. <laughs> it's just like the name Duncan Idaho. It's just like. It's it's much better than Brian from Idaho. Just, so from is a weird middle name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very strange. Very strange. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, uh, due to Duncan Idaho. Um, <laughs> In case this is your first episode, my name is not Duncan Idaho. It's Joe. I do. You, I can call you Duncan if you want. Nah. It's <laughs> like. I call you Dunk for short. <laughs> Dunkachino. <laughs> Sup, Dunk? <laughs> What's up? <laughs> anyway. Yeah, welcome to the show. So, this is normally that point in the episode when we talk about like what's going on in our lives. And we actually have a, a mutual event coming up pretty soon. In fact, it's it'll be happening the week this episode airs so when you listen to this episode we'll be on like the second to last day i believe of this whole thing yes and what is what is happening is that uh duncan and i (laughs) 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 um no joe joey and i are gonna be going to disney world yes for an entire week yeah and and one day in universal um which Oh, I almost said no to because it was just expensive, but Joey peer pressured me. (laughs) You know what? Normally I would try to disagree with you, but that's pretty much what happened. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, at least it wasn't like doing drugs or anything. It was going on a trip and having fun at at a theme park. So I'll take, if I I was going to be peer pressured into something, I'll take that over other things. Um... But yeah, so uh, from the 6th to what, the 14th? Something around that? It's like that, yeah, the 14th, yeah. It's like from the 6th to the following Saturday, um, we're going to be going to Disney World. Uh, It's, I mean, we've talked about it, like I'm sure many people have uh, during this past year and a half, Um, like especially early on 
during the lockdown phase, like, you know, what, what we would want to do post vaccination and immediately, like without question, Disney world was the first thing mentioned. Yeah. Like, Oh, what do you want to do after you get vaccinated? Oh, Disney world. Mm -hmm. Duh. Like, like in the case with Joey, if I could speak for him, um, like he, he's a big Disney fan, but he, he loves Disney theme parks. He, and he loves, you know, just theme parks in general. And like there, he like he was Jonesin. Like he got to scratch that itch early on, thankfully, and uh, he he had a great time. But he he was Jonesin for the longest time. Like I would ca- I would call him and catch him like listening to like music from some of the rides. Yeah. To like just get into that atmosphere, you know. And uh, so it's just something he loves, and it's uh, something he's been wanting to do for a while. And so for me. Like the first time I ever went on a Disney trip was with Dude Two, and sadly our trip got cut short because of Hurricane Dorian. I think we talked about that on the Star Wars episode. And then I was gonna have another Disney trip with my sister, but that's a whole story, and I I did not go to that. Um, but this is this is that time now. Like we're vaccinated, we're gonna we're gonna take this trip. We're gonna have a good time. Um, we're not going with just us. Uh, Allison's going. Uh, Joey's brother Mike is going, and Allison's brother is going. I don't have a brother, so I don't have a brother to take with me. But uh, I will take myself. <laughs> that is for sure. We're also meeting up with another mutual friend um, while we're down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Allison Andrews, who uh, was in our uh, Halloween radio drama that we did last october she was detective allison one of my favorite performances of the whole thing she's gonna hang out with us on uh the day we go to universal so that's gonna be a lot of fun mm. um so it's like i guess this is something we've been waiting to do for a while and in relation to the podcast like and this breaks my heart that we couldn't figure this out but you know it is what it is but we knowing that we were going to be meeting in person we wanted to try and record something, but with there's just a lot of factors working against that. And so we ended up deciding uh, if we were going to make something for the for the podcast, which you know I think is a good idea. Uh, and we got the YouTube channel in full swing at the moment. You know, I got videos. Joey's made videos. Uh, we're going to be doing that. We're going to make a video for the YouTube channel. So, yeah. So while it is mostly a trip for us. We're, we're going to be having a little bit of podcast related stuff happening. So that's pretty exciting. I, I've talked a lot about this. So you're. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, it is, it is exciting. Um, obviously, we're, we are concerned with um, variants that have been popping up. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they talk about breakthrough cases and things like that. But, you know, as far as that stuff's concerned i mean i know i'm gonna be masked up while i'm there same just you know I, I, the only i i guess i think the hardest part to mask up is in the rain when, when it just it just total downpour in florida it's just like yeah no but <laughs> you know um <laughs> but um you know we'll be masked up and uh like it's like i said it's it, it's it's kind of one of those things where it was tricky to, to plan this one because you didn't know when to 
scheduled because you ideally you would have thought maybe okay book it at this point in time maybe like with x y and z like checked off and it's like things never really go exactly so we'll see what happens with everything obviously but um you know we'll do our best while we're there but yeah i'm very excited though to go with everybody you know be great i haven't seen allison since november which is just november of 2019 i should specify sorry like that is just it's like wait what what did you do in november (laughs) (laughs) since november yeah i mean a secret thing no no um (laughs) but i'm very excited especially because you guys well you didn't get to do the cantina in in galaxy's edge last time Mm -mm. and i didn't get to do animal kingdom at all at all any of it and and i want you guys to get on rise the resistance because that is an amazing amazing attraction um just insane really really good job on that ride but um another it was funny because when you said mutual thing i thought you were referring to the dune trailer (laughs) (laughs) i mean no but make no mistake the dune trailer is fantastic i'm excited for that movie like nothing else but i figured the disney thing was a little bit more important (laughs) it 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 is um as far as uh, us is concerned but uh, I, I think as far as, like, movies that are coming out, I think it's probably the next big thing that I'm ex- really excited about. Like, I'm definitely excited for Suicide Squad, of course, and we're going to see that while we're in Florida. But um, I'm very excited about Dune. Like, it just looks incredible. No question at all. I mean, we're big uh, fans of Denis Villeneuve. You know, he's... he Like, he's... I think... I, as far as like directors that have sort of grown in the ranks over over the years like you know i think two examples of like more modern examples of great directors is probably people like christopher nolan and denis villeneuve just like the way that they've sort of established themselves as quickly as they have Mm -hmm. but the bonus for for i think uh denis villeneuve is that you know he didn't really Outside of, you know, his recent work, he hasn't really had to adapt anything. Whereas I think Nolan really skyrocketed with the Batman movies. But, you know, not to you know, compare or anything, but he's... Point point being that he's he's really grown quickly with just how great his movies are. And I'm a big fan. We talked about one of his movies on the show. It's like, what, our fifth episode? With Mad uh, Max Fury Road, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. I think it was our fourth one. Was that fourth one? It might have been. Okay, but yeah, that was. I mean, Blade Runner twenty forty nine is just, and not only an excellent movie, but also just one of the best sequels ever made. Like facts. Like I, whenever it's so funny. I think about Chris Olivier because sometimes he'll post like, "Oh, p- post your fa- four favorite sequels," and a post like "War for the Planet of the Apes," um, you know, "Empire Strikes Back," "Last Crusade." And 2049, 2049 definitely makes that list and is just a favorite of mine. So it's so good. It's so good. But anyway, so that's some fun stuff going on with, with us. You know, we're pretty excited about it. Um, and we'll be safe. And it's, and I'm thankful that you were able to go on your trip that you did go on. Not only because I know you really were excited to go, but also, again, it, it helps us because now you're more aware of how things are working down there. Yeah, I mean, obviously there are things that can change, like, just at a flip, you know, whatever. But, 
I think it, it's it gave me reasonable expectations for what to expect. Definitely going to be a lot of waking up early. I know people don't want to hear that, but <laughs> he's talking to me directly in that. I'm not. Way. I'm not just <laughs> talking to you. He's also talking to Mike. Because <laughs> I don't, I don't know, Allison. I don't know uh, your brother's sleep habits. I'm not familiar with that sort of thing. And obviously, it'll be too late by the time you listen to this. Ultimately, to really gauge that. But maybe on the next Very trip, true. we can improve whatever he's like. La- no, no, Dom's a cool guy. Uh, he, he's a cool enough guy. Um, but yeah, is that is that about it for both of us? Because I really don't have anything to say outside of Dune looks great and disney that was literally it all right so this episode this week okay it's time to play the music well we're a radio show but uh light the lights it's time to meet meet the dudes uh (laughs) (laughs) was that too soon no, that's fine. That worked out just fine. Welcome to Two Dudes, One Double Feature with special guest Duncan Idaho! Hey! <laughs> <laughs> I love that theme. But uh, anyway, we're, we're not talking about The Muppet Show. We're going to mention it. But we are talking about the 1979 road trip classic, The Muppet Movie. Yes, this is happening. This is happening. <laughs> this is happening. Um, yeah, so as far as Muppets is concerned, as far as like Jim Henson stuff in general, I think it should be mentioned. While I definitely like his work, you are a super fan. I mean, compared to other people I know, I'm I'm I feel like an amateur, honestly. You know what? I would say like it's funny you say that because like whenever people say that about me with Batman, I would say you have no idea. <laughs> like, there's people who are like levels ahead of me when it comes to like Batman fans. Um, but no, I'm always like, whenever I, whenever we talk, you know, you just, you, you clearly have a love of his work. I mean, we talked about him a little bit when we did the witches episode. Yes. But, uh, with, when it, with, when it comes to, Oh my God, Another freaking is this, message. Okay, we're gonna we're, we're gonna roast whoever is doing this in the group chat. Is this the group chat? Um, th- this was the group chat, and I'm gonna leave this to you because it was Doctor Feehan. Fee, Doctor Feehan, Doctor <laughs> Flippin Feehan. <laughs> Listen, guys, we know you don't know when we're doing this, but just don't. Just don't. Don't ever message the group chat again. Message amongst each other. You know what? We won't be offended if you make a completely separate group chat that just doesn't have Richard and I. We won't be offended. We'll be fine. We'll be great. Just do it. Okay? We have other things to do. You had to message in anyway. the big group chat. Anyway. <laughs> so, but um Muppets but you and clearly have you clearly have a love for Jim Henson, but specifically, I would put it on just you. You really, you're a big Muppets guy. You're a big Muppets. I guy. like, I like the Muppets. You know, I, I think well, a lot of it is again like I, you know, we love like practical effects and practical stuff on this um, on this show, and they're they're simple but beautifully colorful designs. Like I think about the characters on Sesame Street. And of course, of course, the Muppets—they're just such friendly, welcoming like designs. Even creatures that are supposed to be like like Oscar the Grouch is just like 
you just get you know, warm, like fuzzy feelings from a lot of these things, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think about my childhood a lot because I do remember watching specifically two Jim Henson things, uh, the Muppet Muppet Family Christmas, and I just remember them like them like driving down. I think it was to like Fozzie Bear's mom's place, and they're singing "Haul Out the Holly," and you know I always remember that. I remember like the snow distinctly. It's like weird stuff like that. I remember, and then the one I always remember that I get nostalgic for and. I cry every time I watch it is uh, Christmas Eve on Sesame Street because think about that really depressing VHS cover of Big Bird on the rooftop really sad but I also think about because my favorite I think my favorite Christmas song of all time would have to be Feliz Navidad and I think about the mm-hmm. the scene at the beginning of that where Big Bird is ice skating with the with the kid and the new and Feliz Navidad is playing um, I have a lot of nostalgia for that um, for that and. You know, and also just because going to Disney parks, I mean, the Muppet Vision, Muppet Vision 3D is a really fun show, you know, so. It is. It is. A and it show. was one of the last, I think it was like the, oh, the really like last major thing Jim Henson did before he passed away because that opened in the 90s. Oh, wow. Um, So that was like one of the, like the last time that he played Kermit the Frog was in Muppet Vision. So Disney, never close it. You're not allowed to do this because this is this is this isn't like the same thing as well we lost the rights to this and no this is this is the like the the last work of like a, a man who's who worked for decades making people happy and it's don't close Muppet Vision it's not a good idea anyway after this has been recorded we see an article that's it <laughs> <laughs> but Disney's trying to do stuff with the Muppets so it doesn't it wouldn't make any sense for them to close Muppet Vision. No, it wouldn't. But anyway, um, like the Muppets, it's one of those things where I liked I liked the Muppets when I was younger, but it wasn't like a thing where I wa- I had all of the toys or anything like that. Um, mm. And you know, over the years, I watched some of like the different like Muppet movie things. Um, like uh, Allison's gonna be happy I mentioned this, but you know, uh, Muppet Christmas Carol, which I think is an amazing. That's it's that's an am- a. Yeah, yeah, An amazing adaptation of of Christmas Carol, one of the best Christmas movies in my opinion. Um, Mike loves Muppet Treasure Island; he's a huge fan of that. Uh, but for me, for me personally, like this is my favorite. This it it really is like this one is the one where if I had to pick any of them, if I had to take one with me on like a, a deserted island, only one like Muppet movie, it would be this one. It it is like usually I save this stuff for the end, but like. It's for me. It's such a comfort movie. It's it's a movie right. that makes me feel good, and it's a movie I, especially over the last like year and a half, have watched frequently because, you know, you have a lot. There's a lot of uncertainty with the world right now, and it's this is a movie about about a frog who wants to go to Hollywood, and he share and then he he meets up with his friends who also share that dream, and. Um, it's just such a wonderful, wonderful story and it has a happy ending. It's great. Like it, it literally ends on a rainbow. It ends on a rainbow, you know, but it, and it, I, I remember one of my other, like recent viewings of it was two years ago and, uh, at work we had this really bad stomach bug. It wiped it. Everybody got sick from this thing. I felt miserable. This was about two years. This was two years ago. And I watched the Muppet movie, and as I was like, oh, uh, and like watching, like achy and just feeling like utter garbage, just, just seeing Kermit the Frog in a cowboy hat is like, I want to make millions of people happy by singing and dancing. I'm paraphrasing, like singing and dancing. 
you know, just t- talking to, to Doc Hopper or whatever. And just like, it, it's such a, again, even through that state, it, it's such a lovely, um, lovely movie. I am. Most of my nostalgia, well, it's funny that you mentioned that, because like, most of my nostalgia, funny enough, comes from the Muppet Babies, mm-hmm. <laughs> which um, has no puppets. It's just a cartoon. It's just animated. Nothing wrong with that. So, like, because like, like, I was trying to think while you were talking, I was trying to think, like, what, what do I remember of any like Muppet experience? And it, it all went right back to Muppet Babies. Um... But yeah, like with with this movie, I actually didn't see this until last year. <laughs> <laughs> so this is another one of those like, you know, I have like zero experience outside of seeing it these two times before and then for this for this episode. But I will say watching it with you was a there was a clear difference. Like, and they say all the time, like, sometimes, you know, when you watch something with someone or, if, like, you're trying to share something, like, sometimes you feel different or, you know, something happens. Yeah. You know, I, I tend to, like, to watch things by myself, like, if, if I'm just watching something just to watch it, because then I feel like I can retain stuff better that way. But, you know, there's something, there is something special about watching a movie, especially watching a movie with your friend. And especially, like, when, so when watching this movie with you, uh, I can definitely see everything you just said. Like, like you were, you were having a great time. You knew all the lines you were singing the songs you were have like, like you could definitely tell like there was happiness there, which is very rare to see. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh fair. <laughs> I, I mean, I know I called Feehan out, but how dare you call me out that hard, man? <laughs> I'm throwing, I'm throwing the gauntlet down. <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> oh, did I drop it on your foot? I'm sorry. Yeah, I have, I have a ingrown, ingrown, ingrown toenail. I gotta be careful. Anyway, okay, uh, <laughs> but no, like I could definitely see all that, and it made my experience watching it this second time significantly better mm-hmm. than it was the first time. Because first time, I'm like, I'm having fun with it, but I'm also trying to like figure out like what is happening. Yeah. Um, but uh, with second time, it was just it was just good times. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, for, for those of you who don't know. Like I, I kind of said, the plot the plot was basically, but Kermit the Frog's in a swamp, and you know, they, they, apparently they're looking for frogs in Hollywood. They're looking for they're looking for new talent, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. According to Dom DeLuise, a, you know, looking for fairly yeah. reliable source, I would say. Yeah, this is a you pretty know. dang reliable source, actually. So Kermit the Frog, uh, you know, hops on his bike, takes his, brings his banjo, which you know. You know the bike gets destroyed soon afterwards, but you know he he goes on this uh, on this trip to go to Hollywood, to go out west, and along the way he meets all of his Muppet friends. And basically, I I think one of my favorite things uh, is when Robin Kermit's nephew is just like, "Is this is this what really happened?" Kermit's like, "Well, it's about what approximately what happened. It's like you know." Approximately a version of what <laughs> it's happened. Close enough, you know. Um, close enough. It, it's just and. Every character's entrance is memorable. Everything, ever, whenever they meet a new character, it's just it's great. I, I think about, um, I think about when they meet Gonzo, and they and and they hit into his right. Into his yeah. truck. Oh, <laughs> oh, we missed him, and he pops down. You call that a miss? <laughs> you call that miss? <laughs> <laughs> and then the, the whole car, that literally his whole like 
like van or whatever is just on top of the Studebaker yeah. that Fozzie Bear's driving. <laughs> or I think I think about when they meet when, when Kermit meets Fozzie at the El Slizo. And and, and, he, and Fozzie's, of course, telling his terrible jokes, because if you've never watched The Muppets, Fozzie wants to be a comedian, but, you know, it's his comedy is not great. Ah? Ah? It's just like, it's like ah? there was a sailor that was so fat, and then the sailor breaks a bottle, and he's like, it was so fat. That what, that, what about the sailor that's so fat? Uh, uh, nothing happened. Everyone was fine with him. It was something. Everyone thought he was great. Boo! <laughs> just the, and there's so many there's they pack so many jokes too. Um, I I think about I think about what's like oh, drinks are on the house and they all go up on the roof. Go up <laughs> <Locked> the roof. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was funny. I liked that. I think I think my favorite like as far as like the running gags because there's like two that I can think of. My favorite is um the Sweetums one. Yes, because like th- they meet they meet Sweetums, who's like this big old, like furry monster. But he, like he seems so nice, you know. Again, it fits the name. And um, Kermit, like he asks everybody, he's like, you know, we're going to Hollywood. You want to come? And, like like Korg, basically, like, hey, we're going to Hollywood. Want to come? <laughs> uh, and so, and then Sweetum just goes, oh, and runs away. And they're like, oh, what just happened? Oh, I guess he didn't want to. And so he comes running back out with his bag. He's like, wait, I'm coming. <laughs> and literally the whole movie, you just periodically see him like bursting through, just like, I need to catch up with those guys. And <laughs> so the movie keeps playing. And there's literally points from like, where's Sweetums? Where's he at? And then thankfully, right at the tail end, after like the final song, you just see him burst through, and I'm like, yes, yeah, <laughs> he made it. He made, made it. He made it. I also, I also think about um, any time of the electric, the electric mayhem pop in. <laughs> how'd you know? How'd you know that would happen? I re- we run the script. We the script. <laughs> or like, um, you re- have you tried Hare Krishna? <laughs> running gag good grief <laughs> like even just the sign at the church that says you lost have you tried Eric Krishna <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh it, it's just it, it's so funny but again there's so much heart that that's packed into it as well um there are a lot of like really just like just beautiful moments I mean rainbow connections of course like uh, th- that should be said too the songs by uh, by Paul Williams and Kenny Asher are fantastic in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rainbow Connection being, of course, the most famous one. Iconic, iconic. Just you know about the lovers, the dreamers. You know, you know. The and me. Yes. And um, I love. I always love Gonzo's um, Gonzo song, and I'm going. I'm going to go back there someday. It's just such a because you think about Gonzo, and he's just like Kermit's like I don't even know what Gonzo is. He's like a turkey. And but but he he brings it like it brings about like this emotional this emotional sincerity, you know, mm-hmm. um, that they're this part of the journey. They don't know what's going to happen next, um, and that leads to one of my other favorite parts too, where Kermit like talks to himself, and it, right because you, know, yeah. you know well they went because they believed in the dream too, or and uh, you know what was the other line? It was like you did it, did it for do it for you when that, that sort of you know pep talk motivational. Um, uh, uh, stuff. It does. It does have a lot of that. Like honestly, though, I think my my main focus was definitely like 
some of the just the 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 humor is pretty outrageous. Yes, admittedly, like very like meta at times, even like with the whole script gag. Um, but also, I think it should be mentioned that you know people love the Muppets to the point where like cele- like this movie has tons of like celebrity cameos. Like yeah. just just pretty much any time they meet someone that it's just like one person or one character it's a celebrity yeah and like i said the first person we meet is dom deloise outside of the muppets who tells kermit about the whole thing um at one point uh mel brooks shows up as an evil german scientist yes <laughs> <laughs> um richard pryor uh, sells mutual- balloons R- richard pryor sells balloons ladies and gentlemen um uh a mutual favorite uh cameo uh steve martin as the the annoyed waiter that's my favorite oh may i (laughs) (laughs) excellent choice sir (laughs) one of the finest wines in all of idaho (laughs) hey are you kermit the frog (laughs) phone (laughs) Um, uh, Cloris Leachman, and, we get Cloris Leachman and Orson Welles in one scene. Yeah. Like, that's wild. That, that is insane. Just, again, it's just the list, the list goes on for all the different people that show up in these, in this movie. And no, I feel like none of their, none of their moments really feel wasted at all. Yeah. No, and I also I have to bring this up too because you know I was like I if you haven't already I recommend uh, Defunct Land's multi-part documentary about Jim Henson. It's on YouTube. Watch it. It's really fascinating. But he talks about the Muppet Show. How the Muppet Show for it to work it needed a lot of celebrity celebrities, and they couldn't pay them a lot. However, through the like good word of mouth, celebrities are like, "Hey, listen, this is a really fun atmosphere to be in." It's a really good time. And Jim Henson made a lot of friends in the film industry. A lot of people really liked him. Um, you know, and I also like think too, it's also a combination of people that were influential on Jim Henson that were that worked on this. Like uh uh Madman Mooney is played by Milton Burl, who's a comedian that Jim Henson was very much influenced by and actually has an episode on the Muppet Show. And another uh, Muppet Show guest at one point, Edgar Bergen with his puppet, uh Charlie his you know, his dummy Charlie McCarthy very much an influence uh on him as well and is actually i uh, according to this his fine bergen's final film role um if you want to see him if you have disney plus and you want to see him in another thing he's also in fun and fancy free which is a very strange movie very strange <laughs> i'm just lo- i'm just lo- looking to see if there was other ones that um you know that any other, stood out any any and like well of course orson wells is a big one i have to talk about this too briefly so i saw this on the big screen 2 years ago Right. Oh, I know this story. So Mike and I saw this in New York City two years ago, and um, it was a packed house. Packed house. You know, it's one of those. So you know, this was the before times. This was the before times. (laughs) Yeah, and the applause at everything. Okay, applause at new song. Applause at new introduction of Muppet character. Applause at every cameo. It was like I was at a Marvel movie times ten. For like a ninety-minute movie, like Marvel movies don't get, don't even get that much applause. <laughs> <laughs> Re- uh, regardless of what you see on YouTube, 
Uh, <laughs> probably, uh, you know what? Maybe this will sound mean, but I, I feel like Muppets probably deserves it more anyways at half the time. Yeah, I mean, I felt I felt that way too, though. Sometimes I, I feel bad if there were people seeing it for the first time there and their first experience of trying to hear Kermit hear, sing Rainbow Connection was, Woo! Like, can we get subtitles? <laughs> I can't stand this. Why are there? Woo! Yeah! Why are there so? Ah! He's doing it! But what was I going to say? No, but I mean, there's there all sorts of just like like funny, um, funny bits. I love when Kermit and Rolf are talking to each other. It, uh, well, there's a, there's a specific reason why that that also tickles your fancy. <laughs> Cause, cause it's Jim Henson talking to himself. Cause yeah, um, cause obviously the 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 he, like the you know a lot of the Muppet characters they're pl- multiple people play multiple roles, you know like um, what's his face, Frank Oz plays or played back in the day. Excuse me, uh, Fozzie Bear, Miss Piggy, Sam the Eagle, and other and uh, other characters. Jim Henson played you know played Kermit. Um, and he also played Rolf the dog, <laughs> so it's just, <laughs> and it's it's he's literally he they have a whole song, and so they're like do du- he's like duetting with himself, which, like, I mean obviously there's ways to do that, and like especially in like an editing process, but I'm always impressed when someone's able to harmonize with themselves a little bit, <laughs> like like it blows my mind, but like when Seth MacFarlane would do like musical episodes of Family Guy, and you hear Stewie, Brian, and and Peter like singing in harmony, and you're like, "Come on, yeah, <laughs> that's pretty cool." It, 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 it is really cool. Um, it's just all the songs again, the the character moments. This is a lot of fun things, and also too, going back to our our Maltese Falcon and Roger Rabbit episode, we talked about in Roger Rabbit how there's a, a shot that would never that would never happen today, where you have like. But Bugs Bunny in a Disney movie, and mm. <laughs> Big Bird is in a movie that's owned by Disney. <laughs> they own the Muppet movie, <laughs> and Big Bird has a, a cameo as their while they're singing "Moving Right Along." They they run into Big Bird, and, and Big Bird's like, "I'm going to New York City to break into public television." <laughs> oh, well, good luck to you. They drive. They drive off. <laughs> that and was... then you know, and then and then Big Bird shows up again for the for the big like finale. He's like standing in the background. Yeah, and that that finale is also wild too because there's a lot of people. Um, there's a lot of people that they had to get to do that. I'm just re- I'm reading this off. Um, reading this off real quick, but at the uh, towards the end of that movie, um, like Tim Burton is one of the puppeteers of that final mm-hmm. shot. John Landis. I didn't know that. Um, it was John Landis was uh, was doing Gro- was performing Grover, and they were both uncredited, of course. But regardless, it's kind of neat, you know. But the, the whole the, the whole thing is just kind of just a, a fun, like breezy, je- like good time, like. And also, too, we were talking about like just before like Rolf and like Kermit. But there's a lot of technological stuff that they had to had to deal with with this movie, like Fozzie and Kermit dance, but we and we see their feet. We see their feet as they dance. Or even just like Kermit riding the bike. Yes, that's always a cool one. Kermit doing Rainbow Connection, like Kermit is is on a pond singing Rainbow Connection. I think Jim Henson had to be in like a like a tank 
or some or, or, or some sort of something underneath Kermit under under the water whatever like that's kind of outrageous um you know just it, it, technically it's it's insane but also too thinking about like the costumes for the Muppets because they're specifically made for the Muppets it's not like you can just go get, go to like I don't know you can go to say like Goodwill and find the clothes from the Muppets you have to hand make that stuff like they point that out on the um, if you want, uh, prop culture on Disney Plus, like they talked to the costume designers on uh, that from the Muppet movie, and they talked about all the outrageous things they had to do for to make Miss Piggy's costumes. And Miss Piggy has quite a few costumes, as she as she should, as uh, as she should, as yes, she should, yes. Um, just to the and Miss Piggy is also just really funny. <laughs> just like that, I love, I love, I love her, her, her song, and also just her wanting to go to Hollywood. Oh, Kirby! <laughs> but of course, you know, and I also, there's also that great moment when she like unleashes her karate, and then I love that bit when it's like the back of her head, and she turns around, and her eyes are just like her eyes are big. bursting out of her head. <laughs> 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 she gives it to Mel Brooks good. She like kicks his butt, so that's fun. Yes. <laughs> but you know, the Muppet movie, I mean, the Muppet movie was basically made at the height of like Muppet popularity. Like the Muppet show was a mm. couple couple seasons deep and was one of the most was like the big show on tel- one of the, the big shows on television at that time and you know, this movie was a massive success when it came out. It, and, you know, it basically justified them making, you know, like the Muppet and the Muppet Caper and Muppets Take Manhattan and all those other Muppet movies and Muppet Ventures that they did, um, you know, throughout. And it's just, and again, even outside of the success, it's just a fun movie. It's got a lot, as I said, we got a lot of heart. It's for me, it's a it's a comfort film. And I, I listen to the soundtrack all the time. That doesn't surprise me at all. No. But it's also a great soundtrack. It is. <laughs> it is. Do you, have, do you have any final thoughts on the on the Muppet movie? I mean, I I I had a good time with it. I mean, I my I, I kind of said most of my thoughts pre- previously. This is really more of a of a of a do two episode in a lot of respects. I don't really like I I like Jim Henson stuff, but I don't have that connection just yet. But I think it's fun and it's worth worth talking about. Um, and with this one, like. Like I said, it, it is a really fun movie, and I, I completely agree with everything you said. And like, obviously, you got these amazing songs, um, and there's something really unique about the whole like experience with the Muppet. Like, there's nothing like you can have puppets or different types of puppeteering, ventriloquism, whatever. But there's something so specially unique in regards to the Muppets. Like, even even though there's like something like Sesame Street that exists with it, or other like felted characters, if you will. Um, it's just like, it's not even just like the look of it. It's just like the, the, the feeling, the humor, everything about it. Like there's, there's clearly like you watch this movie or even any episode of the Muppet show or any current Muppet stuff. And you can tell why they're the, these characters have had the longevity that they've had because it's just, it's, there's nothing like it. Yeah. There truly isn't anything like it. No, absolutely. Um, Jim Henson had a really interesting career as far as the, these things go. And uh, we're going to take a brief intermission. And when we come back, this is a very different Jim Henson project, but also um, <laughs> something, you know, also connects with uh, something else. Uh, stay tuned. 
we're back welcome back to two dudes one double feature in our last segment we were moving right along on a road trip with the muppets and uh this time around we're doing something that is not necessarily i mean it's it's fun it's entertaining but it's it's significantly darker so dark in fact the word dark is in the title (laughs) yeah and um we are talking about mainly i think i should i think it should be specified we are going to be talking mainly about the netflix um i guess now it's a mini series because sadly they're not going to continue it but the 2019 netflix mini series the dark crystal age of resistance Yes, and just due to the nature of this show, we are going to be talking about, briefly, talking about the the Dark Crystal movie that inspired it, of course, um, because it's also a big part of, you know, of course that show, but also just Jim Henson's career trajectory in general. Just to briefly go over that, like, the Dark Crystal came out in the 80s, and Jim Henson wanted to do something very different. And this was, I believe this was his first, like, this was his first directorial project. He co-directed this with Frank Oz, um, but developed, like, the world and universe with a man named Brian Froud, who was also involved with um, Age of Resistance, which is really cool, and whose son uh, plays the the, the boy in um, Labyrinth. I do remember hearing about that. I think they said that in, like, that uh, documentary that they had with the show. Yeah, um, but this was a this was a huge risk um, at the time. It cost a lot of money to make, and Jim Henson wanted to do some out really out there concepts. He wanted a whole like the Muppet movie. It wor- uh, it worked as far as uh, a monetary success, but also as a story because like the Muppets are already familiar characters. Everybody knows back then knew who the Muppets were, and there were people in the movie as well. This was an all-puppet cast. There are no, like, human characters. Like, they're all characters, but there's no, like... Per- like, you don't have There's Steve no real Martin. people. There's, like, Steve Martin's not going to randomly show up serving the Skeksis. Like, that's not going to happen. Yeah. And though, admittedly, that would have been interesting to see. <laughs> that would have been really funny. Or Orson Welles as a Skeksis. I mean, come on. I mean, he doesn't even need to wear an outfit. You just have Orson Welles sitting in a chair. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, go get me those gavlings. <laughs> oh yes, oh yes, they're even better when they're gavlings. <laughs> gavling but, uh, essence. But basically, this is a like the Dark Crystal evolves like the fantasy world of Thra. There's a lot of fantastic and strange creatures, and this movie like. The, the studio that was, like, sort of behind the financing and, and distribution and all that did not like what they were seeing from this because they were like, this is this is insane. Who is going to see this movie? And Jim Henson, I think he bought the rights back for, like, $15 million so he could release it. And it came out, and it, it got mixed reviews at the time, but since then it's been a more warmly received um, movie. I think one of the biggest criticisms, which is something that I honestly agree with, I think the characters are kind of weak in the Dark Crystal. It's um, like the as beautiful as the world is, as the thought in everything that goes on in Thra. Like the main Jen and Kira. Like you were talking, messaging me about what about Dark Crystal. I'm like, mm-hmm. bro, I forgot that the that the the, the female um, 
Gelfling is named Kira until you messaged me. <laughs> and uh, the funny thing was, like, I was I was watching it as I was messaging you, and I only knew that because Jen had literally just said Kira. So I was like, oh, yeah. It's like, I literally looked it up, and then I looked up, and then at the screen and then he said kira and i'm like okay and then that that's when i that's when i sent your sent the message basically going listen like i'm enjoying a lot about this and i think i appreciate it more because i watched this is again the dark crystal something i've seen maybe a few times probably more than the muppet movie but um i didn't really love it that much the first time i watched it but I think after watching the Netflix show, I had more of an appreciation for it. But yeah, Jen and Kira are just really basic, like really boring, just kind of their characters. Like I was saying, you know, maybe possibly you could argue they fit into that like Jake Sully mold we talked about before. But even then, like it, you'd, I'd still rather have a character that I would like to follow on that journey yeah yeah and i I think the dark crystal is a movie i admire more than i love like and that that happens with movies out there where you're like wow the ambition of this thing is is so great and and all that like because watching the dark crystal it's like it's like watching like lord of the ring like you were saying like lord of the rings with puppets yeah and you know it's, it's incredibly ambitious honestly but again it's i prefer labyrinth if we're talking about like Jim Henson, like fantasy, you know, movies with Brian Froud's involvement, I prefer mm. Labyrinth. And you can't beat Bowie, really. No, that that's the other thing. And yeah. I, I, I really like a lot of the characters in that, um, a lot of the creatures in that um, as well. But Dark Crystal Age of Resistance, this was something I was very excited about and very curious. Like, wow, Netflix is putting out a 10 episode, like major major television series, major live action television series prequel to the original dark crystal movie. I remember like the moment it came out and then you, cause you pretty much watched it immediately, right? Like the moment it was out. Yeah. Um, it was funny that week. That was also around the time when the boys was, it was like boys was new ish at that time. Yeah. I don't know if I watched the boys immediately, but I did watch it. <sighs> fairly new and i watched all the episodes of the boys and the dark crystal within the span of like three days basically you were having a good three days <laughs> dark crystal it was like it was one of those things where it was the perfect version their age of resistance was the perfect version of itself like it it has you it, it, it's a nice lead-in you know maybe not perfect because unfortunately it got canceled but you know nice enough lead-in into the world that we already knew it beautiful like like the aesthetics of the of the original are there clearly a little different because it's a you know something made in like the 2010s but like the aesthetic is there they the whenever they had to update things with cg it was appropriate and needed you know not excessive and right. the characters i think that's the that's the big thing is like i love deet i love brea i love rian i love hup hup is life Hup is my baby boy. He Hup. must be protected. <laughs> Hup is an Hup is a is a treasure of a character. Like there's so few times you watch something and you immediately like it's not like here's the thing. Like there's times you like there's a character, maybe you're like okay, this person's interesting and then over time you end up falling in love with them. Sometimes there's a character you start off hating 
and then over time you end up liking them. Like, I I think of like in the, sorry to bring this example up, but I think of in the case like Harry Potter. You know, when you meet Snape the first time and just you hate him because he just seems so sinister, but then later on you realize he's actually a pretty amazing person. Then there's times you have characters that you just love right away. Like, like you, the first interaction you have with them, you can't help but love them, and Hup is the definition of that. Like, Hup he's, is, yeah. he's, he's beautiful. Yeah, but ba- basically, like, in the original Dark Crystal, like, you know, you have the Skeksis. The, the Skeksis, they want to live forever. They're the bad guys. They look, they're, they're pretty ugly. It's pretty obvious that they are the bad guys. They're like it's bird like lizards. They're like bird. I I think about vultures when I see them, mm-hmm. you know, especially because the way they like harvest like the life essence of of other kids. Like, like that's a horrifying sequence when they're draining the essence in the in the original movie. It's also horrifying here too. But like when you watch that, I can't imagine. I never watched Dark Crystal as a kid, but I can't imagine a child like in a movie theater in 1982 watching that. Like they must have been like wailing, like crying, just like oh my god, <laughs> eighty. 80- a lot of 80s movies that were kind of targeted at children. I feel like that's a common thread. <laughs> so yeah. many things. Like, I think of even like Indiana Jones 2. Yes. <laughs> yes. When, when they're draining the Galfling, even in this one, when um, uh, Mira, who's Rian's, um, like like love interest, but also like his friend uh, amongst the guard at the castle, when she gets drained and he's he sees it happen... And then, like the Mark, Ham- like the scientist who's voiced by Mark Hamill, is just cackling. It's it. That's scary stuff. And when when they're just when they're just dr- drinking her essence and like like a bunch of gluttons, like it's, ugh, <sighs> yeah, it's it's awful. But basically, like, because that was the other challenge with this show is, it's a prequel to something you know where basically all the Gelfling get killed off. <laughs> and like what like what like when they're like some of the showrunners or people involved would have to tiptoe around the word genocide because this is technically like a technic technically speaking like a family show. It's a technically family show. Oh my god! <laughs> Look at those black hole things that just ate up Rian's dad. <laughs> those are scary, dude. Those things the, like they're uh, the, like. That makes me afraid that, like, I, I'll go into a forest or something. I don't know why I'm in this forest, but I'll go into a forest, and I'll just see a bunch of them, and I'll be like, no. No. No, I'm out. No, you know what else I think about, too? There's, like, this little weird, like, parrot rodent thing that's in, like, Mark Hamill's, like, laboratory. Like, the scientist's laboratory, and it just stares. It's just Is that the one with, like, horrified. the eyeballs that are like this? Yes. That, that are, yes. like, fingers? And it's it just permanently horrified, and I'm like, I feel like that would be me if I was in this world. <laughs> I would just be, like, frozen, stiff, like, unable to, like, comprehend what I'm seeing. Like, can I leave now? No! Like, you have to I mean, stay there! But everything, everything is just so well thought out. Like, the, v, like the, like the, like the, the carriages that the, the Skeksis, the Skeksis ride on. You have like the the land striders, um, that like the the Gelfling like libraries, and that just such. It's also referencing like a character, but like so much lore in this. Uh, in this, like it's it's kind of wild. It, I think, like I mean, they kind of tapped into it a little bit um, from the original movie because, like, in the original movie, 
you don't really get a lot of information. Like, you're just in the world in the original movie. You don't really get a lot of information of how things came about. And so I think the show did a good a good job in, like, like trying to, like, make it, like, make its own story, like, with the prequel and everything, but also really explore the world of Thra. Right. And so, you know, we learn a lot. Like, like even just the whole opening, which, isn't that narrated by Sigourney Weaver? It is narrated by Sigourney Weaver. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. But, um, just like Sigourney Weaver. Uh, <laughs> so... You get a whole rundown of like what this world is like, but then as the series plays out, you 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 really see it. And so there's like what there's f- seven clans of Gelfling, and um, they're all under the rule of the Skeksis uh, because uh, they took over control of the Crystal of Truth, and essentially under this rule, there's there was a lot of a divide created amongst the Gelfling. So, like, you know, like, if you're a Groton, which Deet, our, one of our main characters, Deet, who's lovely, um, she's a she's a Groton, and she lives in these caves, and um, she comes to the surface, and, like, she has to, like, wear a cloth around her eyes so that she can see better until she's like, all right, I can adjust to this. Um, like, a lot, of, a lot of the other characters see a Groton, and they instantly hate her. Because she's a Groton. Or, like, the Vapra, which is what uh, Brea is. Um, they're, like, kind of the, the the highest of the high as far as, like, the clans, quote-unquote. Like, they're the rich folk, <laughs> essentially. And so they, they look down on a lot of the other clans. And so there's, 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 a lot of, uh, there's a lot of that going on. So there's a lot of that kind of theme and conversation with those characters. And then uh, there's also... Agra, who's from the original film, who's like they some people just see her as a witch, other people see her as as just you know this really weird old lady with horns. <laughs> I mean that that's one of the things I liked that the show does is like it really develops Agra into a character because the, the original movie she really does just feel like like a weirdo, <laughs> like a weird old lady with one eye. Which is fine, but, you know, it's nice. It's not, I, I really like, you know, like, the, I especially like her scenes with the archer. When the archer's trying to have her, like, you know, follow the song of Thra. Who, like, by the way, just, like, one, like, thing, like, I love, I think the mystics might be, like, my favorite, like, like, as far as, like, you know, like, characters. Like, the races? I love the, dis- the races, like, I love the mystics so much. They're, they're like, these, like, calm, like, peaceful dinosaur-looking things. And, like, like, that, that, like they're literally just, like hunched over they're, with their necks over, like but they, they just, got like a, a gentle like way about them and i love the archer's voice so much um and i and the great thing about it was like you think about the like the mystics in the original movie and you're like how would these guys be able to fight anything how are these guys <laughs> useful but like through the like the tricks of like editing and just like you know the advances in puppeteering and all that you have a character called the freaking archer who's able to like shoot arrows and you're able to believe that this <laughs> that this this hunched over <laughs> gentle dinosaur thing is a lethal killer when he needs to be and you know he, you know he shows up when you just see an arrow land next to you and most and that, um, some some of the characters are like ah, but then Augur's just going, I knew he was there. <laughs> but also another thing we should mention too is 
Um, if you're not familiar with Dark Crystal, like the Skeksis and like the the Mystics, they're basically two halves of like the same beings essentially. Yeah. And they so so like they each have it's almost like like a like a dark count like the Mystics have like a dark counterpart. Like the Archer, his dark counterpart is is the Hunter. Yeah. And you know there, there's all there's a bunch of them. You know like the Chamber Chamberlain's got one like the Skeksis, which. The Skeksis, they're as disgusting as ever. Like, they are just really repulsive, really repulsive creatures. Think about the one Aquafina plays. Oh, the, I hated that know, one. Oh, listen, I love Aquafina, but I can't look at that one her, ever. Her, like, what happens to her character at the end is so disgusting. <laughs> like, I remember when I tried to watch the show, like, when it came out, because I, I, I ended up having to, I ended up finishing it for the first time just before, you know, couple of days before we are recording this episode and i remember like when we were trying to watch initially i was watching it with you and her character comes up because her and the like the bookkeeper dude or whatever with like the glasses all on his snout um on his beak i guess um like they were they were like in a carriage riding with brea and she's got and she has these like like tumors or like growths on her on her beak and they ooze and it's the grossest thing. Like, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Like, it was like, I literally, I think I went up to, I think I, like, I just yelled at you, Joey, why didn't you tell me this was happening? <laughs> <laughs> like, this is this, like, this is like the equivalent of, like, when we were watching The Pest and, like, the various scenes where The Pest, like, has to throw up for some reason. And that, like, I instantly would just be like, Joey, look away. Just, just don't look. Um, I appreciate that. So. Now in the future, if you watch something and there's snot involved, <laughs> please yeah, let I me know. know. To, I know, I know to uh, to uh, to warn you. Um, but let's talk about like like like, the, like the, this thing as an all star cast, especially when you get to the um, to the Skeksis. Like just oh, yeah. a just a quick just a quick rundown. Uh, Jason Isaacs plays the Emperor. Which that is one of my favorite characters on the whole show because in the original movie when we see the emperor, he's about to die, like he dies at the beginning of the original. And you know what? It's funny to go from the the uh, the the prequel series to the original movie with that character because Jason Isaacs brings such a like because he's got such a deep voice. And he like he sounds like this Skeksis, like that. Like I, I feel like I did more of a general, but you know. Um, but but then uh, when you see him um, in in the uh, in the original film, he sounds like this. But I it, but you know what? Because he's dying, it kind of works still. It fits. It fits. So like I feel like if it was any other situation, it would have been weird. But he was dying, so it worked. But it, it fit. The whole thing fits because it shows you like these guys are evil, but they're 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 trying to throw their power around because they're terrified. Yeah, they're scared. They're scared of their own mortality. Um, and the emperor really embodies that. And like this watch through, like I was able to really appreciate that character uh, of the emperor quite a bit. Um, the Chamberlain, the, who listen, he was the best character in the original, uh, in the original film. Yeah. Because uh, he he's there. But we got to appreciate Simon Pegg for a second Which, here. Listen, anytime we can appreciate Simon Pegg is a good time. is a it's a it's an it's a worthy time because Simon Pegg is is also a treasure. Um, but. He he performs Chamberlain in a way like whenever you cast like a celebrity voice, usually you're casting for that celebrity's voice. And 
sometimes like sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't you know it just depends on the situation um in the case of this show they did cast an all-star cast but i feel like all of them to a degree weren't just being themselves which was very nice they were actually trying to perform like no one wanted to be in the mood to be on the show just to play a version of themselves they were doing their own voice yeah this didn't feel like a paycheck job no. like everybody felt like th- like th- like this was and you can tell like they they have a admiration for Clearly. for the material and just like what they were doing and they looked at the show and they're like shoot like they they really they're really doing this like, like you know, they're, they're going so for it, it. it helps and I think the best example of this type of thing is Simon Pegg's performance as the Chamberlain because yeah, agreed there's at no point when you're listening to the Chamberlain and you're hearing Simon Pegg's performance at no point does it sound like Simon Pegg like no like it, it doesn't like some of the actors you can tell just because like there's you can they can only mask their voice so much like again I I think everybody did an amazing job but like like Keegan Michael Key, I can tell which one's him. Aquafine, I can tell which one's her. Benedict Benedict Wong was another one. I loved him as the general, and I, I love that like ca- like the way that character was utilized. But you could tell it was Benedict Wong. Yeah, but even even when Andy Sandberg shows up, like I immediately knew it was him. <laughs> like again, amazing performance. He was great. I loved his skexies, but you can immediately tell it was him. Um, but with Simon Pegg, there was zero point that you that you heard Simon Pegg, and he I think he had the most difficult one of all the characters because while some of the other characters were playing Skeksis from the original movie, like you know Harvey Firestein and Keegan Michael Key, I believe are the two that come to mind that played Skeksis from the original movie, um, Chamberlain from the original had such a distinctive voice like the hmm gelfling like that like but it's also a care is the most prominent skexies when you yeah. think of any of the skexies you think of the chamberlain first i mean he's even on the the cover if you buy the blu-ray like mm-hmm. like you'll see chamberlain first thing um so that's a that was a that's got to be a daunting task for simon Pegg to channel such an like such a like well-known character but he did an amazing job and like he didn't tr- like he obviously tried to like match how the original voice was as like that was kind of the whole shtick on the whole show was trying to like keep the aesthetics and keep things from the original movie but that didn't make his performance like lessened like he still delivered something amazing and so anytime chamberlain showed up like i never thought of simon pegg no it was actually like when i first watched it and i saw simon pegg in the critics credits my jaw dropped because i was like no way mm-hmm. no way that is that can't be <laughs> like and, and and i think credit i think credit should be given to simon pegg when it comes to voice acting in general because i also think of like his bit role in the force awakens as the you know one and a half portion like I car on car plot. Like I don't hear Simon Pegg in that performance either. Follow the girl and get that droid. You know, like, I'm thinking about that edit. <laughs> <laughs> That's mine. Oh, <laughs> uh, but he no, he's he's fantastic um, on the show. I mean, there's the whole thing is just like a whole. Um, Speaking of Star Wars, Mark Hamill again plays the scientist. 
as the scientist who just as we said distinctly sounds like mark hamill but he is he's just so much fun like <laughs> ah the gelfling essence <laughs> give me all the essence <laughs> <laughs> oh no okay you know what really like, speaking of scenes that really creeped me out was when they removed his eye oh with, with the, the, peeper, with the, like, with the uh, yeah Ooh. Uh, that was oh i mean I, again and for something like made in like tw- like because we think about we talk about a lot of like 80s things having like unsettling things in like quote-unquote kids movies and this for this show to have some of that same like reaction now is is genuinely impressive <laughs> like you don't even see his eye get removed you just see like it it makes it worse because you're the camera shoots to like his point of view from that one eye yes and you see the thing and you're like stop it stop it oh no but outside of the skexies we also have um amongst the gelfling a ton of amazing actors um we have in our three central characters of rianne deet and brea you have Taryn Egerton, who you know yes. you might know from Kingsman or current uh, last thing he last major thing he did was play Elton John and Rocket Man. Um, you have Anya Taylor Joy, who's been doing really great for herself, and she's been in a lot of great movies like The Witch, and uh, she's going to be in Edgar Wright's new movie Last Night in Soho, and uh, Natalie Emmanuel from Game of Thrones. Deet Deet might be my favorite of the uh, of the Gelfling characters. I love Deet so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Deet's probably my favorite too. Honestly, like, there's just such a light to her character, and I just think that her de- her design is beautiful. Like, just just speaking, like, because I think one of the big things with the original Dark Crystal that they ran into issues of was because our heroes a are not the most interesting characters in that original movie but also there was there was a beautiful craft to them like the way they did the eyes back then and all that but it's kind of hard to have them emote yeah and they're able to through the puppetry but also they use digital technology to help the characters emote a bit more than what they otherwise would have done and i think that helps out a lot and it helps out tremendously with these characters i mean it makes you think of like the live action lion king a little bit and the whole like you know, like sometimes you just need that little extra push to to really sell certain characters, especially when you know you have certain restrictions, right? And so it it does help with modern technology to have that little extra oomph to be able to sell something like that. And yeah, so that was one thing I was actually kind of worried about, like when I started watching it, was like, am I going to be able to? connect with these puppets knowing that they're puppets but am i gonna be able to connect with them knowing that they can only do so much with them and it wasn't hard honestly like it it wasn't hard to connect with them at all um yeah like i feel like that that after a while you're just like they're just characters yeah you're concerned you're concerned not with just this beautifully crafted puppet, but you're concerned about the safety of d you're concerned about the safety of brea and rian and hup and uh but ha! not not sell it not celadon i hate celadon listen so much listen. like hup hup is a character where you immediately love him celadon's a character you immediately hate even after she's like finally seen the light and she's still a jerk <laughs> and and you know what you know i gotta say too is that there's a lot of interesting female characters on this show as well yeah like that, that I, I points about that i mean because obviously we said we said deet and Bre- Brea, um, but also C- Celadon, we just hate her so much. Like, she's but you so know, I think I think that's a credit to um, Gugu and Batara, who plays 
Celadon in the show. She's also in Loki as the um the the not not the head of the TVA, but what what is she? The TVA simps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But but you know what you know what she's also the the feather duster in the live action Beauty and the Beast. Now that I'm thinking about this, but she but no but she I didn't know that was her until just oh really now, and like she's she's no, very yeah, good. no she's yeah like, she's she is very good like she's good at playing like difficult evil like not necessarily the evil character like she like she's the kind of character that doesn't think that what she's doing is wrong like that classic villain trope but she play she does a good job at playing those characters um you know i wanted to bring up too did you, did you know bill hader was on the show who was bill hader so you know how there was like andy sandberg's character uh, wait was the he the mystic he was, was like this are you kidding me i'm he is uh ergo uh, that is so cool ah I, I I love I love their scenes where where like er, Ergo is just like <sighs> he's like going he's speaking very slowly and and he's like yeah come on oh that, let it out let it out <laughs> that makes so much sense now because <laughs> I feel like that would like their chemistry I feel like when they would when they were doing the recording they had to have been in the room together you know like like it was definitely it's it's like um like again go back to Lion King remake when um they had. Billy Eichner and uh, Seth Rogen, like obviously, you know, when you have two, you know, comedy icons, but also just really great actors, you know, you want to have them in the same room so they can riff on each other. And so that's really, I didn't even know that. That's awesome. That makes me so happy. (laughs) (laughs) I I just found that out now too. And it's just that scene. I actually have their Funko Pops. They're like a target. (laughs) I think it was like a con exclusive or something, and and they had him as like a two pack. Um, That's amazing. But and it's one of those few things where I really bought like almost the whole line of those Dark Crystal characters. Like I have Hup, Deet, Rian. They had the Hunter, Agra. Like they had it, it was. It's a good line. Um, but no, this sh- I I think again. There's also just a lot of like things we could talk about as far as like, you know, today how it relates to today's society like you have you have like the the lower classes just fighting amongst each other as like the the skexies are just gorging themselves on like gorging like they're literally they're literally draining the lower class like that's a that's a that's a metaphor in general also just i think about the order of lesser service that brea has to go to (laughs) and i'm just like it just makes me think of like Minimum wage was like, oh, they're, 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 they have to do these things, and it's like, it's it's the order of le- they consider it lesser service, mm-hmm. jerks, all, all of that, and also just just the theme of like you know coming together, which I think, especially these days, is such an important thing. Like, make no mistake, I understand people value individualism, especially in. I, I hate to get political, but I I know people really value individualism, especially in America, but truth be told sometimes community should be seen just as important and it should be looked at um more so than individualism sometimes because sometimes helping someone else is more important than helping yourself and i think that's i think that's a big message with the show because you know what how do how is it that they're supposed to defeat the skexies they have to come together just like the Beatles and Justice League told us 
<laughs> but also just like how at the end of the Dark Crystal, the Skeksis and the Mystics have um, they come back together and unite as mm-hmm. as the Earth Skeks at the end of even uh, even the- just the fact that sorry to interrupt, but even just the fact that the the weapon that they have to find initially is the dual glaive is two pieces of a sword that have to come together as one. Yes. So, I mean, and, and then of course the whole plot of the original movie is trying to, f- to bring a shard of the crystal and bring it back to make the crystal whole again. I mean, yes. Unity guys. Unity. It's all there. It's all there, guys. I don't want to hear anybody complaining. Oh, this this shouldn't be this. It's it's there, guys. It's there. It's blatantly stated. It's there. Come on, Richard. Can you tell me who who directed uh, this show? The most surprising answer <laughs> is actually what I'm going to say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and if you and the funny thing is, like, I think when I started watching it, I didn't know it was him. And then it's just so weird to think about. But it's Louis Ledier who is famous for directing such <laughs> such amazing classics as The Incredible Hulk from the MCU, The Clash of the Titans remake. <laughs> and I think he did a Sasha Baron Cohen movie. Hold on. Mo- there's, there's one thing I thought he did. Let me, let me... And he also did Now You See Me. Ow! Oh! It that looks, movie. I'm on Wikipedia right now, and it, and it looks like he's looking at his filmography, like surprised, <laughs> like really? Did I do that? You know, no. But uh, you know, again, in some of those projects, I don't know how much control, you know, how much he's able it, to, it, to. It 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 could be like a whole thing. Like he maybe couldn't have. Yeah, he couldn't have been able to like really go for it. But uh, I, I just speaking personally, I've seen three of those movies we just like i've seen incredible hulk i've seen clash of the titans i've seen now you see me i don't really care for any of them if i'm being honest mm-hmm. um it was such a surprise to see he made this because not because not just because it's really really good but just like you just didn't really expect it because of those previous movies i guess no but and I mean, he it seemed like he had such a passion for this project as yeah. well like everybody seemed like they were really just on board with this thing um i also just want to talk about briefly too just um i i know i talked about this with the gelfling but just the technology aspect of this like visually this show is stunning it is absolutely it's a beautiful gorgeous. show it's gorgeous to look at um there's a lot of practical sets but there's also a lot of digital components and one thing I am glad, um, they showed this in the documentary. I don't know if you were got this far in the documentary, but they showed like a test clip of a CGI Gelfling yes. fighting a fighting like a like a practical Skeksis. I did see that. It was interesting, but I'm glad they went the way they did. That all these that these like, characters are they're real. Like it's impressive, make no mistake, but something sometimes you just it's you just have more of a, an appreciation you can connect easier with something that looks and feels real and i know we have the technology to do that these days but it's just sometimes it just makes it better like it, it's funny like when i was watching that whole documentary it made me think of why i love stop motion animation mm-hmm. and like companies like leica and yeah. you know we, i mean obviously you've talked about that with kubo and the two strings like cuz what what's so great about them is that like like with this show everything is handmade 
and everything is tangible and has a texture and has a feel and you know there's just some things you can't get when it's made in a computer Mm -hmm. and it just makes you appreciate what you're seeing a lot more and you connect with it a lot more i mean that's i mean that's part of the reason why you know they were so adamant with the recent with the star wars sequels to to kind of pull it away from this the more cg elements that were in the the prequels because it, it just became such an overabundance of cgi to the point where like there was literally no real environments i mean i also think of like the marvel movies and how like again we've talked about this some actors in the marvel movies just have never worked together before right because they were just superimposed at certain points um so it's just it's nice when you have something that looks real feels real and it has that certain like the light hits it a certain way that you can only do if you're lighting a real thing and you know cg helps and and computer effects help but nothing nothing really beats having that sort of realness in front of you and so and again like i I say the same thing with with stop motion animation and just again the little details that they had to do just to make those little puppets and those armatures look the way that they do um it's it it blows your mind really yeah i mean i think what this this show and also talk about the original dark crystal show is that you could do with like I feel like when people think of puppets, they just think of Sesame Street or the Muppets, where it might be for kids or it might be used for a comedic thing. And these two properties show that puppets can be used for more than just just educating children. And I'm not trying to disparage Sesame Street or Muppets in any way. It's just that is the perception people have when they think of puppets. They immediately think of you know, the felt, and they think about, like, you know, the very basic designs, beautifully done designs, but, you know, it's just so nice to have something like Dark Crystal and also just talking about Labyrinth that is so different from just the typical Muppet or Sesame Street stuff. Yeah. Um, that it just shows you can do so much. It's like when we talk about certain comic book movies. Like, you could do a lot more with a comic book movie than just have a standard, you know, run-of-the-mill superhero story. You can have, like, westerns. You can have, you know, cr- you know, gritty crime dramas. Um, you can have just really out-there, funky stuff. And I think with this, it's like puppets is can be such a, a limited media as far as maybe the way people understand it. But there's a whole universe that you could really explore with this kind of stuff. It's like animation in general, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yes. like, like when you look at the medium of animation and how... There's like because you're drawing something, you're literally creating something at the tip of a pen, and you know because it is sort of pigeonheld to that certain demographic. Which again, there's nothing wrong with because you know kids movies that are animated. Like by by all means, like I'll watch a Disney animated movie, Pixar, any day, and have a great time with it. But you know, there's some, like sometimes you watch something that you know, isn't necessarily trying to like be made for kids or be made in like this way or that way. And it could be beautiful. It can be amazing. It can be something wholly different than what you would expect. And it makes you, it makes you appreciate that medium, especially when it works, you know, and, and with dark crystal, uh, it really works. Cause that was my biggest worry was just the puppetry and, and like, be, like as much as I, I thought everything looked great and the designs and how impressive it is to see how they were able to like get all that to work. Um, at the end of the day, 
like while you're still like appreciating the the artistry and the puppetry you you forget that you're looking at puppets yeah you forget that you're seeing like either a guy um in a big old cloak with his with his head up the neck of a vulture lizard thing or you know you're you're seeing a bunch of uh sort of navi looking characters um like sort of not necessarily bouncing but like sort of gliding around yeah because like you don't think of it because you're just too invested in what's going on i also i want to bring up um i went to the jim henson exhibition in um at the museum of the moving image in new york city if you feel comfortable going to a museum, I would definitely recommend checking it out. I know there's other Jim Henson exhibits um, around the country, but I went with uh, to this one with Allison, and one of my favorite parts about it was you got to work a puppet the way that the the Sesame Street and the Muppet people. That's really cool. So you get to look at a screen, and that screen shows you what your puppet is doing. So like. You're not just looking at your puppet. You're seeing, okay, how does my puppet relate to my environment? How does how if I turn like this, how is it gonna how is it gonna look on uh, on the screen? You know, and that that's a lot of it. It's them hunched down, do acting with their puppet as they're looking at a screen, and it really makes you appreciate the work that Jim Henson, Frank Oz, Dave Goles, all those associates, and everyone who's come afterwards um, really makes you appreciate what they've what they've done and what they've really like pioneered. Um, so. Uh, thank you, to Jim, Jim Henson, and all that. And I'm just really sad that the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance was canceled. Like, I could have had so many just fun adventures, but I'm really just grateful that Netflix rolled the dice this one time and gave us ten episodes. Hopefully, Netflix has the has the uh, the smarts. I'll say this um, to appease people like us and re- and release a Blu-ray. Please, please put it on Blu-ray. Because Listen, it wouldn't be the only canceled show you put on Blu-ray. All the Marvel show, well, most of the Marvel shows that you did are on Blu-ray, I believe. Like, just not all the seasons. And I think Iron Fist never got one, but I don't care about Iron Fist. Um, but it, it's not new for you to release things on Blu-ray. I'm just saying, just saying, a Dark Crystal Age of Resistance Blu-ray would be welcomed. I actually just saw that they're going to release a Blu-ray of the second season of The Haunting of Hill House which I was very excited about. So, Netflix. Come on. You know you want to. Just do it. Just do it. Make us happy. Folks, I just want to ask, what are your favorite Jim Henson creations, whether you like Sesame Street, The Muppets, Fraggle Rock? We didn't talk much about Fraggle Rock, but Fraggle Rock's great, too. Um, I've actually never seen Fraggle Rock. Fraggle Rock's kind of, it, It's fun. It, it, we'll have to talk about it. Like, it's, it's a lot of fun. I have the, the whole show on Blu-ray. I don't know... I think Apple is doing like a revival of Fraggle Rock, I think. That's pretty cool. There's a lot of like so there's a lot like they're making another Labyrinth movie. I think Scott I think is Scott Derrickson still involved with that um that Labyrinth movie. I think movie? so, yeah. Cuz I know he now left that you Doc- mentioned that. He left Doctor Strange at one point or wasn't going to do Doctor Strange 2 or whatever, but um mm. you know, it's just there's a lot of Jim Henson stuff out there that that's in the works. Disney did that Muppets Now show and I'm sure there's going to be another Muppets thing down the road. So you know, it's this stuff is out there, folks. Tell us about your favorite Jim Henson stuff, your favorite memories. Um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We each have letterboxes. We got the YouTube channel. Um, we hope you enjoyed this one. Please uh, uh, tune in next week. Have a good night, everyone. Mm-hmm.
Thank you for listening to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Special shout out to John and Kenny Armstrong. Amazing, the both of you. Thank you so much once again. And of course, a hint to next week's double feature. We're talking about two classic musical fantasy films, one by Disney and one currently owned by Warner Brothers. Stay tuned.